though, that's so true. Hi, this is Chelsea, Emma, and Julia, and we're Friends on Art. We met in grad school getting our MFAs, and now we're taking you along on our adventures to galleries and museums in New York City. Just artists talking about why they love art. Hey, this is Chelsea. Thanks so much for listening to our third episode. Today, we're heading down to James Fuentes on the Lower East Side to see Re-Representation, a group show. Artists include Arena Ong, Amanda Ba, Dominique Funk, Sasha Gordon, Ara Howe, Michael Ho, Kane Huing, Min Jia, Catalina Huyang, Oscar Yi Ho, and Tommy Shia Shin. It's really it's well like balanced. In a room with yeah. a bunch of friends, and they're all hanging out yeah. in a room together. It does feel really modern and like young almost. I don't know the everyone's, age of any of everyone's these. Everyone's young. Okay. I think 1980 or above birthday. That's cool. Yeah. So this is almost like a, an aspirational show for us, as we could yeah, get into a level of this kind of show of leaders. Like, oh, yeah. I was thinking I mean, about I that on the way over. But what would it look like? <laughs> I wish to curate a situation. You guys might mean to curate a show. Like, what was your idea? I would push you back. We're standing in front of Cake by Dominique Funk, a 30 by 38 inch oil painting in green and yellow earth tones. Small hands underneath slices of thin cake hold up birthday candles. Candles are also spoons. Are they? On the end. <gasps> they are spoons. Oh yeah. They're that. candles and spoons at the same time. I didn't see that either. Well, I kind of thought they were like paddles. Like they were like paddles. Oh, they're rough. I have a comment. Yeah. Um, that does remind me of... <laughs> <laughs> Um, I read the curatorial statement. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. And I, there was a, a lot of discussion about what it means for people to leave their ancestral homeland and come to somewhere new in a large group. Mm-hmm. And this does remind me of like just the process of leaving a place, kind of like going in the night and with a lot like a lot of people but it's interesting to me that you can't see their faces it's just their hands so they're sort of just more representative of like a group or a migration yeah and I actually take it as if the hands are all one person and I think about the Mm -hmm. comment that's you know how every year you're like a different person like in seasons you you're a different person than you were you know five years ago and in my mind thinking about this as a cake I'm imagining kind of Mm. all these lives lived through these years and kind of this continual momentum forward into unknown places that's at least what I received but I feel like also the community aspects important to that because especially if we're thinking diaspora and just how your community shape you and all of the people that kind of morph you into the person that you are if we're viewing this as a birthday cake I can kind of see the both and of it being Mm the change of an individual, but then also how the community changes you as the individual. I like that. Yeah, and I liked that the show re-representation let us know that, oh, this is a comment on the idea of representation, and it doesn't try, like the show itself doesn't try and make, oh, a comment on this is one monolith experience that everyone has had but all of these people are showing the level of individuality in a queer asian experience is like 
endless. There's so many different ways to experience life that way. I'm also a sucker for mystery. Yeah. And I love that this piece, you can interpret it so many different ways. Like I'm looking at different details of like, all right, well, the one candle or spoon or or that's not being held, that's the one that's blown out. And what does that mean? And I, I like that I don't know everything. Like there's loose strands that haven't been tied up that leads me to keep going back or even noticing there's a really tall candle that's taller than the rest. Now we're standing in front of A Warning Against a Longing, an oil painting by Tommy Shia Shin. What initially drew me in is its religious component. I have a faith background and so even though I'm not Catholic, I recognize the statue of Mary that this little girl is cradling on the left side of the painting and then on the right side of the painting you see what you assume to be maybe two boys or two um, people in a relationship and they kind of feel like they're hiding behind a door that has a rosary on the doorknob but yet the boy or the figure that's on the left is looking straight out at us confronting us um, in a moment of being seen and I think the two juxtaposing the little girl holding the statue and seeing the two figures on the right prompts a lot of questions and makes me think about all the layers. They also use certain plant life, which I don't know what it might symbolize, but I know that in a lot of Renaissance paintings or Byzantine paintings, plants are big signifiers of religious commentary and what they might signify. And so all of this, that's a language that I understand and I like and I'm drawn to, and I feel like they're using it in a new way. Yeah, this painting immediately did remind me of a Da Vinci painting, the Annunciation, but this big marble blockade in the center, it was like I'm kind of being blocked out in a way, but the painting is still really emotional and poignant. Like you said, I'm not sure totally what's going on but I think that's the point isn't to sort of a, describe a feeling isn't that a common you guys might know better than me about this because you're painters but isn't that a common perspective that's used in Byzantine era painting the where you see like I'm thinking of the Annunciation ones where Mary's being called to give birth to Jesus and there's like a line that divides like a room and then a garden yep. it's like a perspective where you can see two things happening at once mm-hmm. when we saw Jenna Grimman I thought a lot about how she paints skin and I think that's something that's really unique about this painting is the skin feels really similar to how marble is painted in the painting and I feel a connection between the two of like warmth and individuality and life that's kind of being brought out in both now we've made our way to Cargo by Catalina Uyong. It's a pine, plywood, and other mixed materials sculpture centered in the room. This is reminiscent of some of your sculptures, Emma, in certain ways to me. Because <laughs> there's trash in it. Because <laughs> there's found materials. And yeah. the like, bulbous head. Yeah. It's also sort of... It's a little comical, a little sad, like it mm-hmm. has a pitchfork through its head, but it's got a pair of heels on. It's been through a lot, but yeah. it looks good today. Yeah. <laughs> I, how do you guys feel about, like, I sometimes find that I'm, like, mostly attracted to art that, like, is, like, the art that I make, and it makes yes. me feel kind of, like, 
is do I have like an ego or like am I like I don't know like do you feel that way like you're attracted to stuff that kind of is like what you make yeah definitely but I think it's also why I make the things I make because I'm attracted to the stuff I'm attracted to so I think it's all just a big cycle like and I'm not really sure where it starts whether the genesis is with me liking something or me making something I think that's good though and I like that you like things that are like what you make. <laughs> wow, so a lot of likes. Because you know what because, you know. Because, well, but also because, for instance, I make sculpture, but I had a harder time engaging with this sculpture, and I liked that you like it, and I want to know why, because I feel like you'll yeah. open my eyes to why I should like it. Oh, God, it's like, I don't even know why I like it. I think, actually, Chelsea, like, the stuff that you said, like, it's a little bit sad, it's a little bit funny. It kind of has, like, animal characteristics. Like, it has sort of an elephant foot Um, I like where you can't tell what the materials are exactly like there's almost like a fleece and then there's like maybe ceramic or those might be rocks as the toes and then there's like twine I love when when a bunch of different things are slammed together disappear because they create something so new that you don't care what the material is like I'm looking at this and I'm like okay it's like a it's like a sad farmer elephant (laughs) creature. I just like, it's so original. Like, I think, you know, we were talking about that one and I I can appreciate that it's so beautiful and like, but I'm not like excited by it because I think it's like so straightforward or something. Mm -hmm. And then this, I'm like, what the hell is that? I like, I like when something is like, no one has ever made this exact configuration before because it's like disgusting but cool right like its references aren't as immediate to you yeah do you guys hate this (laughs) no that's a strong word (laughs) i don't hate it i think i my mind was trying to make associations and i had none like i was like okay it kind of looks like squidward it kind of looks (laughs) Like, you know, like I was trying to pull together all the things that I know. And then even seeing like the beeswax paper, I'm like, okay, I use that to wrap food. So is it like for collecting food? Like I'm trying to answer questions and that's not what you should do probably. I'm like having like a laughing moment that happens sometimes when you look at art where you kind of have like an out of body experience and you just, if you really think about it, it's like, okay, I'm looking at a pile of trash, but like... (laughs) And then we're all standing, taking it so seriously. And we're like, what is this? Well, (laughs) re-representation. It's kind of like sometimes you encounter someone or something that you do not understand. Mm -hmm. And you don't have a connection with. And I think that, you know, abstraction can really confound us in that way and challenge us to see things as they are instead of what they what they could reference and what they could be i like that and we're also all hodgepodges inside you know we're all trash <laughs> <laughs> not trash but julia's like i would never say that <laughs> i'm just a but big are, trash can there are things that are pointing to like recognizable things like there's a pitchfork right this this um, stick that almost looks like the figure is carrying reminds me of those like bundles that you put on a stick when you run away. Mm-hmm. Right. It looks like that. They remind me of the birthday cake candles. Oh, Do a little bit. Yeah. The long lines. Mm-hmm. There's quite a few like lines. There's like a line of thread. 
um, in one of these paintings across from us in a line of a tentacle, in a line of um, hair in Sasha Gordon's works. That's like a very delicate painted line. We've made our way across the room and are now standing in front of Oscar Yi Ho's two works. A painting, Yusof, aka Transatlantics, in oils, gouache, and colored pencil on canvas, and a drawing, Portrait of a Nuke, aka To Look, in gouache, colored pencil, and ink on paper. All right, well, first of all, shout out Oscar. He's shout the best. Out Oscar. We were lucky to have him come to Brooklyn College. And you had a visit with him? Yeah, we had a conversation. Big fan, love his work, been following for a while. Since the Brooklyn Museum show, which we I think, saw, which we, we saw. Are. What's it? Before yeah, Friends on Art yeah. existed. Yeah. yeah. We were just Friends on Art without recording it. Right. <laughs> well, I know that he paints people he knows and kind of paints himself into the paintings by using symbolism. So I know he usually tries to reference his hand by like, oh, painting a bird and that representing him. I mean, they're really like beautiful, <laughs> beautiful paintings yeah. and really emotional. And the eye contact, I feel like, in all of his work is always so spot on, so emotional. What do yeah. you, just in the painting quality, like what do you like about it? Well, I especially love the drawing. Because I, I love drawings. I feel like they're more raw in, in some cases. Like, I think this is a drawing and it's not very raw at all. Mm. But, like, you can see where decisions were made, like, to leave something blank to let the paper come through. And he does that in the, in the paintings, too. But there's something about the drawing that... I, I like the um, orange highlights. That's kind of, like, a signature of his, right? Yeah. Like, I really love the, like, bright orange pigment and the bright like indigo or cobalt blue he uses to outline or highlight things and there's this really beautiful like orange outline around the eyes in most of the portraits I've seen yeah and I think that's what really draws you in and is sort of haunting and it makes it so modern feeling like Alice Neal and her blue line I think of that too (laughs) her blue line in the portraits or the Jenna Gribben hot pink nipple. Yeah. Ah. She loves the hot pink nipple. It's a, a little signature, <laughs> if yeah. you will. Do you like these as much as his, like, big, the big pieces that we saw at the Brooklyn Museum? No? Don't like them as much? I love his big paintings. Like, I love when he just fills the canvas with symbols and yeah. decoration. And it Symbol really room. draws me in. And I really like his paintings that have the, like, more cowboy-esque oh, yeah. side to them. The Americana. I remember being seeing them and being like, wow, I love this. And I like these, too. But they're more pared down, mm-hmm. which makes me focus more on the portrait and the face. And I actually think more about the painting quality in these because I'm less distracted by all the little decorations and tidbits. The last painting we'll discuss is Amanda Baugh's Rebel, a 36 by 48 oil painting. A nude figure dominates the left side of the canvas. Behind the figure, rubble is everywhere. The figure kneels in the rubble, calm. When I look at this, I think about mainly the contrasts of how natural and smooth rippling her body is but then how harsh and unnatural the rubble feels and I feel like it's already giving me a narrative 
just with that alone that I don't know if you'd be able to tell if, for instance, she was wearing clothes. Like, I think we needed the softness of her skin and the roundness and compared to the really ragged edges of all these rocks and tractors and, um, or not tractors, but um, what is that called? Like a... Oh, like uh, a Scooby-Dooby. And I guess I'm trying to figure out (laughs) if the figure has lost something or has gained something. Mm -hmm. Like whether they're kneeling in the rubble and they're kind of like celebrating the destruction of suburbia. Because there's this house to the left that sort of is reminiscent of maybe like East Coast coastal townhouses. It's a very small piece of a house, so I can't quite... Tell, mm-hmm. but then I wonder if it could also be the figure mourning the loss of this place or what this place, if it is real, means to the figure. Um, but there is a sense of like calmness from the figure about this destruction that's interesting to me. I really like how if you look at certain parts of the painting, the scale switches like and it looks like the figure is a giant yeah i thought that when i first saw it too i thought the figure was like huge and had kind of taken part in the destruction and maybe had done done the damage this painting also does something that i think is really brave in painting that i like try and remind myself to do which is have the figure match the background like well most of the painting isn't it, most of the painting is the rubble, but the sky is the same gray as the body. It's like, do you think that's intentional that she did that? Well, it definitely gives her a moment. Like, it's just a calm moment in the top left that it pulls your focus to the face. Whereas it kind of, it's like chaos, 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 and then calm right on her face. Right, and the sun peeking over this big... Um, what is it, a backhoe? Oh, I don't that's know. Scoopy doopy. <laughs> that's a scoop. Oh, you don't know what a scoop doop is? <laughs> no, what do we, this is where we need the engineer to come on and we need to have them There's tell one us. There's them in that book that's called Are You My Mother? A backhoe? <laughs> is that what they're. I don't know. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. That feels like the closest to what we've had. I just get lesbian vibes from this woman, even though she's yeah. naked and we don't know anything about her. But I guess maybe I'm I'm queer. I'm looking at her. I'm like, that's a gay person. And I know this is a gay. Can you say why you think that? I don't know. It's like a masculinity or like a strength in her face. That I love. Like you can't tell if she's hopeful or if she's sad. And it could be kind of a mixture of both of like a breaking down of who you were to rebuilding to something new or, or breaking off some, like that can be understood in more ways than just identity, whether it's moving where you're sad to leave the place that you lived and moving to somewhere new, or if it's part of, you know, an aspect of identity as well. The longer we stand in front of this painting, I'm like, this is my favorite painting in the entire show. Yeah. Slams. I think that this is the one I'll walk away from being like, this is the one. Thanks for joining Friends on Art. Friends on Art is Chelsea Sundy, Julia Hembree-Smith, and Emma Kaster-Dudzik. This episode was edited by Chelsea Sundy. Our theme music is by Charles Kaster-Dudzik. 
We'd like to thank James Fuentes Gallery staff for being so helpful and passionate about their current show, Re-Representation. We really appreciated getting to chat with them.